Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue with our investigation and our probing of Jesus' saving gospel message, the message about the kingdom of God. We've been pointing out in this series of programs that Jesus based the entirety of his teaching on a central master thesis, a key concept, a master idea entitled the kingdom of God. The gospel in the New Testament comes to us with a definite identity label. It's not just about the death and resurrection of Jesus, important and essential as those things are. It's about the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke of the gospel of the kingdom. He sent the disciples out to preach the gospel of the kingdom long before he said a word about his death and resurrection. And after that death and resurrection, in the book of Acts, you will find that the apostles continued to preach the very same message about the kingdom of God and the things concerning the name of Jesus. The gospel is cut in half when the kingdom element is dropped from it. It's insufficient to believe simply that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. That's about half of the gospel. The underlying substratum element of the gospel is this information about the kingdom of God, which is really the principal theme of all scripture. We've been looking at the book of Daniel recently, and in particular, the seventh chapter. I've been suggesting that the seventh chapter of Daniel provides a backbone and a blueprint for the entirety of the scriptural story. In order to read the Bible intelligently, it's essential to get the overall picture, the big picture, before you start trying to fit the little bits of the puzzle into it. There's a narrative line running throughout Scripture like a golden thread. It begins with the call of Abraham. Abraham is the father of the faithful. It's his faith which is a model of Christian faith. The gospel indeed was preached to Abraham, and it's the gospel about the kingdom of God. The gospel being preached to Abraham is noted by Paul in Galatians 3, verse 8. The gospel story builds as we look forward to the coming kingdom, God is in the process of rescuing this rebel planet from the clutches of the devil and his deceptions and restoring order and peace and sanity to our tortured earth. That's going to be the time when the kingdom of God extends its influence from Jerusalem across the far ranges of our world. That's going to be a renewed earth. The gospel, in fact, invites you to take part in that future kingdom as an executive with Jesus Christ. In order to do that, you must be willing to give up everything for the cause of Christ, to repent and to reorientate your life in a brand new direction. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said, they're going to have the earth as their inheritance, and indeed they're going to possess the kingdom. They're going to be the executives of the kingdom with Christ when he returns in power and glory to establish and to initiate this kingdom of God on the earth. That great event is mentioned hundreds of times in our Bible, but particularly in a classic passage in Revelation 11, verses 15 to 18, you will find that it's only at the future seventh trumpet, when that great seventh trumpet blows, at that point the kingdoms of this world, the kingdoms that is now under the domination of Satan and his deception, the kingdoms of this world only at that future point will become the kingdom of our God and of his Messiah, and they will rule, and they will indeed begin to rule in power and glory on the earth from that point on. 
For that great event, Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come. In the seventh chapter of Daniel, we have an extraordinarily interesting outline of God's plan. We'll find there a contrast between two differing periods of time. The first is that time of trouble and distress in which the Antichrist is going to wear down the saints and prevail against them. And following that, a complete contrast will occur when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of God. The kingdom is going to be given under the heaven, that's to say, on the earth, to the saints, and they're going to rule forever. You'll find that in Daniel 7, verse 27. In Daniel 7, we have outlined and described in some detail the career of the final tyrant, that anti-Christian figure, the little horn, a political power, who is going to rage against the Christians and persecute them horribly in a period of time known as the Great Tribulation, just prior to the arrival of Christ. The arrival of Christ will mean the end of that period of extreme persecution at the hands of the little horn, the Antichrist, and then will follow the time in which the kingdom of God will prevail across the earth. We were pointing out that Daniel described this little horn as a human person with eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts. But his days are numbered, his career will come to an end as Jesus destroys him and takes over the reins of world government and establishes the kingdom of God on the earth. It is against this backdrop of the divine plan in history that the New Testament drama is worked out also. Jesus announced the coming of the kingdom. Knowing the book of Daniel and believing it to be a divine revelation of God's plan in history, Jesus knew that one day the kingdom of God would prevail on earth. Working out of the book of Daniel, Jesus recognized that he fitted into the picture as the Son of Man, mentioned in Daniel 7, verse 13. The Son of Man there is an individual representing a corporate body of saints, those destined to possess rulership of the world. You'll find that mention of the future rulership of the world by the saints in Daniel 7, verses 18, 22, and 27. Now, rooted in the promise of Daniel 7, the promise of the kingdom, the entire New Testament is geared to the future triumph of the saints in a renovated earth, the kingdom under the whole heaven, as Daniel described it in Daniel 7, verse 27. Now, Jesus sums up the promise of a glorious future when he announces the gospel about the kingdom of God. You'll find that gospel of the kingdom of God constantly on the lips of Jesus. Luke 4, verse 43, for example, tells us that Jesus reckoned that the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom was the whole underlying reason for his mission. That's the reason God sent me to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, Jesus said in Luke 4, verse 43. In Matthew 4.17 and Matthew 9.35, we learn that Jesus went about all Galilee announcing the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And those two terms, by the way, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, are interchangeable and convertible terms. They're absolutely synonymous. There's no difference at all in meaning between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of heaven, I have to tell you, does not mean a kingdom in heaven. It means a kingdom coming from heaven. It's a heavenly kingdom, a divine government, which will take effect on the earth when Christ returns. If you look in the book of Acts, you'll find that the apostles also 
preached the gospel of the kingdom as the basis of their Christian message. Acts 8.12 reports that Philip preached the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ to the people in Samaria. And it was only when people had grasped the fundamental notion of the gospel of the kingdom and the things concerning Christ that they were ready to be baptized. Acts 8 verse 12. In Acts 19 verse 8, Paul was dialoguing and discussing and arguing, debating and speaking constantly of the kingdom of God. Acts 19 verse 8. In 20, in Acts 20 verse 25, Paul actually summarizes his entire mission by saying, I went about among you heralding the gospel of the kingdom. And finally, at the end of the book of Acts, lest we should possibly miss the point, Luke states with absolute clarity in Acts 28 verse 23 that Paul from dawn till dusk, using the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, tried to persuade the Jews about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And when he failed in some measure to convince them all, although some believed and some didn't, Paul then announced that he would take this same salvation message about the kingdom to the Gentiles. And the very last thing we find Paul doing in Acts 28, verses 30 and 31, was that he welcomed the people and began speaking about the kingdom of God and the things concerning Jesus Christ. For two years in Rome there, unhindered. The gospel of the kingdom is the Christian gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is virtually a synonym for the Christian faith itself. Christians are called the sons of the kingdom by Jesus. They were called Christians by their enemies. But Jesus' own word for a Christian is a son of the kingdom or a disciple of the kingdom, one destined to inherit the kingdom and possess it with Jesus when he returns in power and glory. You'll find those phrases, sons of the kingdom and disciples of the kingdom, in the 13th chapter of Matthew. We've been pointing out that the 7th chapter of Daniel provides a wonderful blueprint for God's grand scheme, the drama that he's working out in favor of the world and in his efforts to recover the rebel province, which is our earth, from the clutches of the devil. That hasn't happened yet, but you can prepare yourself to have a part in that kingdom when it comes in the future. The New Testament describes the career of the chief saint, the Messiah, the Holy One or Saint, and he gathers around himself a circle of disciple friends. Together they announce and prepare for the coming kingdom in the face often of acute opposition, mostly from established religion. You'll find that Jesus' greatest enemies were the established ministers of religion of his time. The establishment opposed Jesus they didn't recognize his claim to be the Messiah, and it is to some extent the same today when people resist the very plain evidence that the gospel is in fact about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Now, the theme of suffering and persecution is a major one in both the Old Testament and the New, but it's suffering in view of future glory. It was for the joy put before him, the book of Hebrews says, that Jesus was willing to suffer that miserable persecution and even death simply because he announced God's message about the kingdom of God and claimed to be the Messiah. Through much tribulation, we're destined to enter the kingdom of God, Paul said to his converts in Acts 14, verse 22. If we suffer with him, we shall also become kings and reign with him. 2 Timothy 2, verse 12. Now, the saints, according to the plan laid out in Daniel 7, must expect to be persecuted even to the death. 
the little horn, the Antichrist, wages war with the saints and overpowers them. Daniel 7, verse 21. And in the book of Revelation, which is really an exposition and expansion and development of the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation is the fitting summary of the messianic story, culminating in the final establishment of the Messiah's kingdom on the earth at a time when he will destroy that final tyrannical anti-Christian ruler and hand the power of world government over to himself and to his saints. Now, suffering prior to the triumph of Christ at his return is reflected both in the experience of Jesus and the leaders of the early church. They were prepared to put up with a lot of shame and ignominy simply because they believed themselves to be announcing the most important message imaginable, namely a message about how we can acquire a position in the kingdom and gain immortality. The glorious prospect of being vindicated when Christ came back spurred the early disciples on to tell everyone everywhere the gospel about the coming kingdom. Don't you know that the saints are going to manage the world, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 2, and that was his encouraging cry as he urged the troops forward. Don't you know that the saints are going to manage the world? And if that is so, Paul said, are you not able to solve your own problems within the church circle? Paul was upset that they were unable to settle their own affairs within the church. Our time is running out for today. We encourage you to stay with us as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.